Welcome to the Double Docs Podcast, a podcast devoted to exploring the MDPhD journey of UCLA Caltech med students. In this podcast, we share our views and discuss things we find interesting. These are not meant to be recommendations or medical advice. These are solely our opinions and experiences and not representative of those views expressed by any affiliate institution. We started this podcast in order to introduce people to MDPhD programs, provide insight on how to apply, talk about what the journey looks like, and what your career options look like afterwards. Welcome back to the Double Docs Podcast. Today, we're going to be engaging in a discussion on interviews and what to expect, especially uh, when students are applying to MD-PhD programs. And today, we have the privilege and honor of having uh, Chris Dan with us, an incoming MS1 uh, in the UCLA Caltech MD-PhD. Chris, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Um, again, my name is Chris, and I excitedly got to move to Westwood just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'll be joining these fellas in the MSTP here, and um, I'm studying uh, cancer metabolism right now, and that's kind of in the wheelhouse that, that I really like. Um, but I'm trained as a cell biologist and cancer biologist more broadly. Um, and I'm interested, too, in then being a surgeon scientist in the future. Uh, in terms of like outside of med school, um, I really enjoy cooking and I kind of live to eat as well. So <laughs> that's my primary hobby. You're in the um, right place then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That was a big pull for LA. Uh, and I also am a musician. I like singing. Um, and uh, yeah, I also like being outside hiking. Um, the Botanical Garden is already my favorite place on campus. So, you know, yeah, happy to be here. So maybe we can get started by talking about uh, just the rough timeline for interviews and sort of where in the cycle you expect to get them. I think our consensus is that the interview timeline is very variable. Really depends on when you get your primary in, which determines when you're, you get your secondaries in. Um, and your speed in turning around your secondaries determines when you might be called for an interview. Um, but in general, I would say the interview season runs from maybe late August to late January, early February. Um, and you can get interview invites anywhere in, within that time. Um, the Zoom interviews have made things a lot easier in terms of scheduling, so they can send out an interview invite, you know, as early as a week before the interview. Um, Once people get those interview invites, kind of what's the process afterwards? Uh, what should they expect? Yeah, I imagine it's been changing a little bit uh, as they're optimizing their virtual invite invitations over the last few years of, you know, being in the pandemic. Um but generally, you get an email, a very happy email. I was, you know, compulsively refreshing my emails throughout <laughs> the interview season. Oops. Um, but there it has a lot of information, usually some links to various um, departmental websites or faculty pages. And often they'll ask you to fill out a form um, to, you know, send back some potential faculty that you're interested in speaking with if you haven't done that already in your secondary application. Um, at that point, they also usually give you a rough timeline, you know, what to expect if you're going to get any more communications from the admissions office prior to the interview, and then the specific dates that that interview is going to be. Um, usually, they don't give you a whole lot to work with in that first email, and you'll start getting more detailed information, Zoom links, personalized PDF itineraries uh, as the days get closer. So the MD-PhD interviews are a little bit different than the traditional MD interviews. Um, you know, maybe could you go into a little bit about 
you know, are there MMIs? What is the overall structure of these interviews? What should students expect kind of just generally? Sure. If we're getting, you know, really high up overview, the unfortunate answer is it's also highly variable. There's some information provided on each of the school's specific websites, but a lot of times they keep you guessing a little bit if it's going to be an MD interview and an MD-PhD interview, an MD-PhD interview only, or, you know, something in between. I personally definitely had some interviews where it was like one day was with the medical school and other med school MD-only applicants, in which case that often had an MMI or also like a 30-minute physician interview. And then the next day would be researcher interviews, which is, you know, two-way street. It's for you to learn more about their research and some of the faculty you could work with, but also for them to check your research chops um, and to learn more specifically about some of the MSTP-specific information. Um, but then alternatively, uh, like UCLA, they have ones where it's truly just like an MD-PhD interview. Um, you don't necessarily interface with, every, if, with anyone from the medical school um, outside of the MSTP office and research faculty and students. So. And a lot of that variability has to do with the admissions committees. So I know UCLA has basically a separate admissions committee for the MSTP and the med school rubber stamps their uh, acceptances versus other schools, the MSTP is underneath the uh, med school admissions committee. And so for those schools, you can generally expect like a dedicated MD only interview um, with some supplementary MD, PhD slash PhD faculty members uh, added on to your schedule. And I think that information is generally accessible on their websites too. So if you look on an MSTP admissions website, um, they'll usually like you can kind of tell by the wording, um, you know, some some, for example, one school that I'm thinking of will say something along the lines of, we are looking for candidates who are very strong MD candidates as well as researchers. And like in that case, you know, you can expect something that's more, you have a separate MD interview as well as a PhD interview, uh, whereas different, like other schools might just be uh, like a single admissions program. And I think you can also tell from the secondary questions too sometimes. What if we talk about uh, the types of questions you might expect during an interview, either on the MD side or if you're talking with a PI, for example? I think like within the the research um, interviews, I think one of the things I remember was there was a lot of emphasis on being able to talk about your research. Um, at times <laughs> with certain schools, it felt like a grilling session uh, where they were asking like specific details about research methodologies, interpretation of results. Um, and that was kind of an interesting um, approach that they took. But I think in general, with regards to the research interviews, there's a lot of focus on being able to describe your research, talk about your research, but also talk about you know research you'd be doing at that school as well. So one thing that students can do is kind of explore what research opportunities are in that school, what PIs are, are there. And more often than not, those research interviews will take place with PIs as well. So I think it's, it gives an opportunity for students to kind of talk about their research, talk about an opportunity uh, or future opportunities with with that PI potentially, uh, but that's like one of the subsets or types of interviews students will will face during the interview cycle. Another really common topic of conversation in MD PhD interviews specifically, and this can still come from more clinically heavy uh, interviewers or researchers that are just interested or, or were prompted, is like the bridge. You know, we had to write kind of a bridge essay: why MD and why PhD both. And so those questions often also come up a lot. In certain instances, that made up the bulk of my interview 
session, um, which, by the way, can vary anywhere from three to like seven different research interviews for any MSTP interview. Um, and that's where a lot of them might come at it from a more cynical approach, like, well, is it really feasible to do both? If so, how are you going to do it better than some of the other, if they're really rude, they'll call them failures in the past event. And so you kind of have to uh, defend yourself, defend, defend your stance and explain why, first of all, this institution would help you get to the place that you want to be in your career where you're going to be maximally fulfilled and maximally productive. Um, but then you also can kind of give your personal take on it, right? Why specifically do you feel like you really have to do an MD and a PhD to be the best physician and scientist that you want to be? I think having an answer to that question is so important because that will definitely come up. I especially remember one interview instance where it, you know, I, it was back and forth, you know, discussion with, with the interviewer who was an MD only, uh, who was asking, you know, can't you do significant research with just an MD degree? And, you know, the answer is yes. But I think that gave an opportunity to discuss kind of why why the, the dual degree and what the dual degree would confer that the single degree wouldn't confer for me. Um, so it was, a, it was definitely an interesting discussion. But, you know, it reminds me of like the importance of knowing why someone wants to pursue that dual degree and kind of going into interviews with that perspective because you're going to be asked about it. And, and to that point, you know, in terms of like preparation for these things, a lot of people ask those questions. Well, how do I prepare? Do I just rehearse, you know, all of the talks I've ever given? Or do I, you know, look up every biochemical technique that I've ever done and know every detail? In my opinion, actually using this like why both as the foundation and jumping off point for your preparation being set in basically your story, right? This whole lead up in this whole narrative for why you're sitting in front of the interviewer, everything else will then kind of fall into place, right? You'll realize all the experimental techniques you've acquired, why those might be clinically relevant in the future or vice versa, any of those clinical experiences that have really, you know, gotten the fire going for you in lab. Um, so in that regard, it's a more holistic approach to preparation than just memorizing and word vomiting on the spot, because I think that also can come across as disingenuous if, if you're not careful. And you also want to be really tactful at times to not ruffle any feathers of your interviewers for, you know, you don't want to rag on either PhD only or MD only training, right, when both are valuable and distinct in their own ways, just as an MD PhD is also distinct in its own right. Yeah, I think it, it kind of goes back to uh, sort of taking, like when you're writing your essays, taking the time to really think about, you know, why you're choosing this path. And I think in terms of preparation, really knowing yourself well and, and reviewing, you know, your those essays that you wrote previously and, and your motivations is like a good starting point. Uh, and, you know, those questions like why MD, why MD, PhD, those are, you're definitely going to get those questions. Those are probably going to be, you know, within the first, first five questions that they ask you. Um, so it's important to be prepared. I guess my advice for that question is to pretend almost like you don't have an answer for that question. Um, obviously, you've re rehearsed it and thought about what you're going to say. But if you come off and give some boilerplate answer about you like science and want to help people, that's also not a great answer to the question. But if you've shown that you've really thought about it and you have pros and cons to each, and your final statement is, I can't see myself doing either one alone, I think that's probably the best answer you can give. Yeah, I, that, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think I said very similar words and like one of my interviewers pointed it out and they, they seem to really approve, like obviously like, you know, don't copy paste that, but 
I, I think that's like a common theme that does that does show up. Um, and I think too, like you know, I think the way that I approached it, like obviously, like you won't have a certain path in mind, but just sort of talking through your aspirations, like what potential impact or like progress you feel like you'll be able to make in the future. And sort of laying that picture out there and like, you know, sort of seeing where the PhD or the MD fits into what you want to do eventually. I think that's a really good approach as well. I mean, at the end of the day, the interviews for them to, I mean, the fact that they've given the student an interview means they're already interested in that student. You know, they have the the qualifications on paper to be able to succeed in that school um, and to thrive in that school. The interview is more so for them to know you as a person, to be able to determine, you know, can this person um, talk about what they've done. Are they interested in? Are they truly interested in in pursuing like this dual degree? Another thing is, I mean, the importance of just being genuine and not having, as you guys mentioned, like those pre baked statements. I mean, they see through through that, and what they want to know at the end of the day is, are you going to be sticking through the program all eight years or seven years? Um, there's a lot of students that you know memorize statements, or especially now that things are on Zoom. You know, I feel like people might rely on notes um, kind of on the side of the screen. <laughs> um, but the, if anything, we'd like to encourage you to maybe not do that. And instead, focus on why do you truly want to pursue this degree? And what have you talked about in your in your statements, um, you know, previously? I mean, I think the, the best way of approaching things is to determine, one, you know, what are the stories you want to tell? And two, what are the characteristics you want to convey? And being able to convey those two throughout the interview, I think, really will kind of show them your passion, your enthusiasm for pursuing the MD-PhD. I would, I would actually push, like, pretty strongly against using notes. Um, because at the end of the day, right, the, the interview, it's essentially like having a conversation, right? Like, when you're talking to, like, anybody that you just met, you're not going to have, like, notes right next to you, like, looking up facts and stuff. And, you know, the goal of the interview is not to grill you or to make like to fact check that you know every single thing that you did, um, even though, you know, that is a good thing to do, uh, to have a good sense of your, your research. Um, but they do really want to get a sense of who you are as a person, as an MD candidate, as, as a researcher. Uh, and I think, you know, sort of being preoccupied by looking to the side and sort of ignoring the person in front of you um, is like, I, I would suggest not doing that. Yeah, and, and to the point of them trying to figure out who you are as a person, um, if you are having a lot of notes in front of you, you can almost lose your own personality and just sticking to these highly objective like subset of things about you or your past history. So with that, I'd also encourage a lot of interviewing candidates to, you know, start to approach the line of, of like still getting into a lot of personal information about yourself as it pertains to your journey to wanting to do an MD and a PhD because, right, science and medicine never exist in a vacuum. So you don't want to come across as like an impersonable robot who might be like an amazing scientist and have, you know, total memory recall and the best hands and experimentally anyone's ever seen. But at the end of the day, if you can't relate to others and if you don't have a really compelling story that's bringing you to this point in time, um, it's not necessarily a shoe in then to be, you know, accepted into these MD-PhD programs where, again, they want you to be along for this whole ride for this large investment on their behalf and then ultimately to train a subset of kind of really unique career physician scientists. So, you know, getting into more stuff about your family, your hobbies, um, asking them about, you know, your interviewer about how they find time to do 
to pursue their passions or spend time with their families and, and have balance outside of just the lab or just the clinic or wherever they are. I think that's really important. Yeah. I think along those lines too, um, I remember in one of my more technical interviews, and I think this interview actually went pretty well. Um, you did know, you they, get in? I did. That was here, actually. It was here. Ah, okay. One of my more technical interviews was like about the physics of like fluorophores, so like you know, fluorescent proteins. Um, and I think I think the, the key takeaway or the tip that I would recommend, it's okay to say you don't know a particular fact. Um, and oftentimes when you have an interviewer uh, who's, who's trying to assess you, right, if you don't know something, they will try to follow up or assess how much of a particular, you know, thing that you do know. And so they'll ask follow-up questions and you can kind of demonstrate um, what you do know, and oftentimes they'll try to work you towards the right solution. And I think, you know, this is like, uh, you know, coming from the Bay Area and like Silicon Valley, this is like a very like techie software engineering type interview style too, where like, you know, even if you don't know a particular method or technique, the interviewer will, will assess how much you do know and try to see if you can get to the right solution uh, based on what you do know. And so I think sort of, it's okay to like not know things but just do show like what, what you do know and, and try to work towards, work with the interviewer in that sense. And don't try to fake it in that vein. Like that, you know, faking it is not good because especially if the interviewer knows the answer, right? <laughs> it's, it's not you know, good. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's far better to acknowledge, right? You're not, the point of interviewing isn't to show that you've already done enough work or have enough competence to be a medical doctor and a PhD scientist already. That would be absurd. And sometimes they're asking pretty high level questions just to, as you know, as you're saying, to probe. So acknowledging and saying, oop, I don't know, sorry. Or saying like, well, I've heard of it, but definitely not, you know, I don't know anything deep enough to really get into it with you. I, I think they're just looking for potential here. I mean, is the student able to think outside the box, be able to take various pieces of information, even though they might not understand things fully and be able to consolidate them and like synthesize them into thinking and hypothesizing of what the what the possible outcome would be. Um, yeah, I don't think they're, I mean, a lot of times, I remember for one of the interviews, they we went into a really weird side tangent, probably not even ta very tangentially related to, to my research. Uh, but it was a really interesting uh, intellectual discussion of, you know, what what would we expect in these XYZ scenarios? And I think, at the end of the day, right, they're looking for potential. They're not really looking for you to know the, all the answers. You know, that's what your PhD is for. <laughs> exactly, that's what yeah. you're devoting your PhD to. And those are often like the best questions. Those and like any question about literature, um, because that gives you something to follow up on in your thank you email. So instead of just saying, thanks for the interview, I had fun, you have, thanks for the interview, I thought about this question more, I thought about this paper. Um, what do you think? Uh, here are my thoughts, blah, blah, blah. Here are some follow-up papers. And that also establishes a point of contact at the institution for you, um, and it makes you a memorable candidate as well. To that point, um, I know some people like the idea of reaching out to PIs and potential interviewers before an interview. I don't know what you know y'all's thoughts are on this, but I'm kind of against it. If anything, right, follow up with them afterwards. Use what you've learned about them and hopefully an enjoyable conversation. I really did enjoy, you know, almost all of my interviews and, you know, touch base with them afterwards. Explain why you felt it was an enjoyable conversation or what you got out of it. Um, you know, I'll usually throw in a, well, I really think X, Y, and Z about your work is, is quite interesting because oftentimes it is. They, you know, 
the adcoms usually put you with faculty that either have or currently are or are open to mentoring MD-PhDs and or have some amount of translational science going on in their lab. So nine times out of 10, it's really interesting cutting edge research. So using that as a, as a way to get to know someone more, open that point of contact, I think is far more impactful and a better use of your time than reaching out beforehand. Cold emailing is great, I think, but but not necessarily, you know, before an interview, unless you really, really, like, are in love with this person's research and want to make a point of contact beforehand just because just because you're into it. You know, I I get it, but but for a practical perspective, I don't think it it would add anything to your application to email beforehand. Save that for the revisit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's also school dependent too. Like I, I know for certain schools, they actually don't want you to email PIs explicitly, and they have you send all your emails through like the MSTP admissions uh, point of contact. Yeah, there, there are several schools that do that, and so I think it's also a little bit school dependent. Um, also, just logistically, you oftentimes get the list of PIs uh, like usually the morning of your interviews. At least that, I think that was my experience, um, if not like the, the night before. Um, so I think like uh, what I did as general practice was just to get a broad sense of the type of work that I did. Because um, that can oftentimes frame how you uh, sort of communicate the work that you did. You know, if they're in a completely different field, you might explain things differently than someone who's very intimately familiar with the type of work that you're doing. Um, yeah, and like oftentimes, you know, if they're in a related field, they might ask how your research applies to the work that they're doing, for example. If you guys are listening in and think of any interesting questions that you would like to ask, please email us at doubledocspodcast at gmail.com or reach out over social media.